Welcome back to the Reset Rebel podcast with me, Joe Yule. And for today's episode, we are getting very festive indeed on the player of Cala San Vicente. Kind of felt like a, an apt moment to visit such a beautiful spot in front of the little fishing huts uh, for today's podcast guest who's joining me, uh, Tess Prince. Hello. God, it's, it's almost a year since we did this so nice and we are totally blessed today aren't we with this i think we're going to get sunburn which <laughs> i think we're going to get a little bit uh, crispy i don't know if you've got any crispy fried wonton in, in the podcast picnic but uh, <laughs> i'm feeling like my face could be edible by the end yeah. of this podcast what, us, what an image us english roses well we haven't i haven't got any rose but i've got i'm gonna make us a little tipple why not should we get this little christmas party started I, well it would be rude not to because considering the last time we recorded this actually i was on a dry december but that's not the case at the moment so i'm, I'm very excited to experience the cocktail making here on the uh, yeah on the gates of cala san vicente's fishing huts and yeah, I've, I've brought along my favourite aperitivo of the moment, Gold Tooth. And it's just like, look at it, it's like liquid gold, isn't it? And it's got three of my favourite ingredients. It's got hibiscus, rose petals and um, saffron. So I'm going to make... It's one of the recipes actually from Gold Tooth and it's a Calanova Sour. I mean, look at these lemons... So we've got lemons completely picked from the tree with their stems and their leaves. It looks like you sort of got your hacksaw out and just went out to the garden and had a little go at it. It's actually, it's not as easy. You have to like twist and pull. Twisting your lemons. Twisting so. my lemons, man, yeah. So with, a, with this sour and I haven't got a cocktail shaker. It's like one thing I don't, I have like every single piece of equipment in my kitchen that drives Dan completely nuts is like is that another piece of equipment and I don't have a cocktail shaker but I've got this lovely jam jar I love a jam jar and uh, any old receptacle will will do me I'm not terribly picky around here I mean how many jam jars do you think the people in Ibiza have because every can of chick every jar of chickpea any like passata you end up keeping the jam jars it's and you do yeah because <laughs> you've got other things to put inside them oh, okay. I don't I know it's all about the aesthetic I mean open my pantry and it's all uh, all jam jars filled with nuts and seeds and deliciousness right okay so this is a super easy cocktail to make over the festive period and in the jam jar I'm putting a couple of teaspoons of apricot jam I guess you could use a peach jam and the sour element is the juice of half a lemon. There's no sour grapes going in there, is there? No. We're it's end of year, Tess. We want to keep it, you know, keep it high vibe. Oh, this, oh, you've got some high vibe nibbles to go with this, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love your technique there, the way you sort of flipped the wrist and uh, really? <laughs> really inserted that sort of, what is that sort of twisty thing? Do you know what? Everyone um, goes on about um, high-powered juices and all this kit and caboodle. This is just basically um, a wooden stick with a few ridges on it. But It lot, looks a bit rude. I know, it does look a little bit rude, but it is clean. <laughs> don't, you, don't you worry. 
Um, yes, I think I could I could sell that as a as a sex gadget as well, but I'm not going to. Um, right, okay. In with the in with the lemon and a good old ice cube. Here is massive, aren't they? They, you, they were always very large in the gin and tonics. Actually, I thought it was kind of like a fashion thing, you know, like bigger was better or something in the in the fishbowl gin and tonic glasses. But why why are Ibiza's ice cubes so big? I know, I have no idea. It must be the machine they're made in. But really big trays. Somebody will let us know. Anyway, gold tooth. I haven't even got um, a measurer, so I'm just going to free pour. Oh. So that is a very generous... I need to get one of these measurers as well. This is where I'm literally going wrong with the cocktail making in my house. And I'm completely sloshed after one. Um, with my jam jar and my free pouring. You've just the thrown your cork over on the grapes. <laughs> we haven't even had a drink yet. We haven't had a drink. This is what happens. Like Last time we got drunk on kombucha, didn't we? I don't. It doesn't take much to feel drunk in your presence, I must say. I've like literally developed a whole new technique. That's good. Yeah, I'm loving your uh, <laughs> your shaking method. I feel like Tom Cruise is about to pop up from behind those boats in a minute and uh, shake it to the left. And that's like getting rid of my Christmas bingo wings. You haven't got them yet. I know. You've been working your bum off all summer, which we're going to hear about shortly, but I don't think there's any chance of you ever having bingo wings just to be clear no I don't think I will the amount of heavy lifting that you do in your job is like quite unbelievable yeah I mean rolling pins like pin, tin, like huge sacks of whatever I'm carrying yeah I, I do get involved with that side of things but I do see it as a workout to be honest okay shall we pour yeah, yeah I, I think let's definitely I absolutely love vermouth so I'm all over um, we are tasting your Calanova Sour. Calanova Sour. Here we go. So I have actually bought my tea strainer, which is, <laughs> I suppose, one element of cocktail making. That looks so good. It has look. Looks absolutely divine. That's a very interesting way of doing it, actually, getting the lemon lumps out. Yeah, I mean... What you've got here is just a lovely balance. With that apricot jam, it will just cut through that bitterness of the, um, of the fresh lemon juice. And also you're just having a little sweet note added. And I think we should say salud. I do. I think it's time to uh, definitely have a little cheers. Cheers. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Boobs out. <laughs> well, nipples out, actually. Those glasses you've got over there with the little uh, the little nipples and boobs on them. I, I really, really love those Chupito glasses. We're, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about those later. But, yeah, we're going to have a little uh, a sweet ending later with those booby glasses. I thought on a day like this, actually, we, we would have been surrounded by the sort of naked people of Cala San Vicente. But, actually, I've not seen any bottoms in the air today. I know, because normally I would walk the dogs down to, which we called the Secret Beach, which is um, on Aguas Blancas, just up the hill where I live. And, yeah, it's, it's been a bit dry with the old nudies at the moment. Uh, but throughout the summer, 
you can go down there. I think people like literally camp out on the beach and just wake up in <laughs> human star fishing. <laughs> Ready to rumble. Ready to rumble. Okay, shall we try these uh, Calanova sours? That is absolutely divine. Yeah, so fruity, but also quite tart. Yeah, you've got that. So, if you've got any kind of, I would, I would, well, Goldtooth recommend using the apricot jam. I've actually done this with the Nisporo jam because I like in in the springtime you get all the Nisporo harvest coming. Um, but I think it would work really well with a with a peach jam. But having that jam element to complement the sour. It really balances it, and uh, that's a beautiful Christmas drink, isn't it? Quite dangerous. It's absolutely quite dangerous. <laughs> I think that could be very dangerous, for sure. I mean, it goes down an absolute storm. It's very easy to drink. It tastes a little bit sort of like fruit juice, really, but um, with a slight twist at the end. It's, um, yeah, it's absolutely nothing short of sensational, Tess. Well, we, uh, I think we'll be topping up the glass as we go, and... Um, would you like to have a little savoury nibble to go with it? That sounds absolutely divine. Yes, please. Now these, these are my my take on, I don't know, like I, I often make bliss balls. So I wanted to do like a different spin on a, a bliss ball and to look like a bit like a Ferrero Rocher, I guess. I'm going to let you have the first bite because you don't know what's in it or what's surrounding it. So you can, uh, you can have a little taste and tell me what you think. And then I'll explain how I made them. Okay. I, I, it breaks all my rules, this podcast that I always make with you, because eating, and, eating and recording, <laughs> the chewing sounds are terrible. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just... The whole thing or just half? Mmm. <laughs> You're not going to be able to speak for a while. That was a big mouthful, Joe. I'm a great believer that if you're going in, oh wow, yeah. So I've been I've been mm. dainty and bitten mine in half, so you can see the centre. I didn't want the grape to explode all over me. <laughs> <laughs> it's an occupational hazard. That was my strategy, <laughs> <laughs> not to uh, experience any uh, volcano-like mo- movements. <laughs> I'm sure you've had a lot on your chin <laughs> over over lockdown, Joe. <laughs> Those cherry tomatoes on Ibiza are explosive, I tell you. Like the local ones, they really are like very, the very juicy. Ones. The cherry tomatoes. I mean, as as the season progresses, they just get sweeter. And and, and um, have you tried uh, the 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 black tomatoes? Yeah, what are they called? I can't remember. I don't know, but they look red. But they've sort of got like a black. Yeah, a kind of a black element infused into the colouring on the skin. But it's um, yeah, I do generally grab a handful of of. Of every different shade. Mm. Oh, she's going in. Mm. <laughs> Push the microphone over to your face, <laughs> just as you're nibbling into the goat's cheese. So, basically, they're they're a, a lovely organic black grape, seedless. And then I've got a local goat's cheese and mushed it down um, with fresh truffles. And then I've rolled that round the grape. It's quite easy actually. And then you chill that down, so you're you're forming like a truffle. And then I rolled the truffle in a little bit of sweet chilli sauce. And then that's uh, toasted seeds. Toasted sesame seeds, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds and duka. So that's just a really lovely thing to have as instead of cheese and pineapple on a stick, I guess, over Christmas. 
That's definitely taken things uh, up a notch or ten, <laughs> for sure, in the kind of elegance and... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a cheese and pineapple girl for sure, but that is definitely next level. And um, I love the attention to detail. As you say, you've rolled the truffle in sweet chilli sauce and I've never even heard of duck or I don't know what that is. It looks a bit like one of those Turkish sweets that you get in the shops. Um, yeah. Yeah, when you go down the kind of, um, you know, any of those little uh, nooks and crannies of London. But it's absolutely, they look, um, yeah, they are divine. Absolutely gorgeous. A, a sweet or a savoury, sorry, Ferrero Rocher. Yeah, it's a combina- it's a combination of the two. I mean, I love um, I, I love a cheese ball, but that just it's like a portable. It's a really good idea for a, um, a beach picnic or any kind of picnic. So I would serve those definitely with a little aperitivo over Christmas. Um, or you could you could finish with that instead of have it, instead of a cheese board. I mean, I think that's a good idea because I think that the cheese board always feels like a cracking idea after Christmas. But the fact of the matter is, you always regret that last plate of cheese. Well, maybe that's just me, but I find like when you've just had this incredible feast and then it gets to like, you know, nine, ten o'clock in the evening and the pork comes out and then, you know, someone suggests a little uh, soupçon of cheese and biscuits just to polish the day off. And then it's just always that step too far. And the fact that, you know, 80% of that is taken up by the grape in the middle and it's not, you know, there's nothing gluttonous or very um, dense in there in terms of like a biscuit to ride it on. Um, so actually, I quite like that idea as a slightly less heavy way to end the evening without actually going deep into the the cheese and biscuit story which I do love to do at Christmas I must say and what you can do I've I've veganized that recipe so the the vegan cream cheese is really good at the moment and uh, you can get it on the island you can get it almost anywhere and I really I, I, I really think that that's kind of the way to go I'm actually lactose intolerant so I can tolerate eating um, goat's cheese or um, sheep's cheese, but that does really work well with a vegan cheese as well. So anyone out there that's uh, wanting to go uh, animal-free over Christmas, that's that's a good alternative as well. I, know, I do know quite a lot of um, vegans who do make an exception for cheese, including actually some lovely friends of mine in the Gang of Witches who call themselves Cheegans. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Because they, I, when I cooked for them, they said, "Tess, can you can you go and get can you go and get us some cheese to make raclette?" And um, I just felt like I was going on a really naughty mission. I felt like a criminal. And uh, yeah, so they they do like they do like having their cheese. And I guess yeah, it just goes back to um, the more digestible cheeses. So the manchego, like here having manchego, which is made with the with the sheep's cheese and. Um, feta these are all types of cheese that I will get away with using on the yoga retreats that I cook for I mean you know there's definitely cheeses that you know go down rather smoothly and other cheeses that are slightly more explosive shall we say I mean I love a smelly cheese so anything like a Roquefort or you know I don't know the names of all the cheeses but you know anything with blue veins in it that's for me is that's my king of cheeses but I'm telling you it's never a good idea when you go too deep into that after Christmas <laughs> you're just just talking about blue veins and going deep and I've just like I've gone off I've just gone off on a completely different image in my mind and I knew it would turn into filthy <laughs> so I'm just going to have to have another sip of the moon and, and sober up <laughs> 
I think you ought to just uh, calm yourself down over there. <laughs> Keep calm and drink vermouth. That could be another another T-shirt of its own <laughs> with blue veins on on the outside. Your boyfriend's a lucky man, isn't he? <laughs> Sticking to the roads that we had left here Summer eyes have left this place And everything I want to give you Has been broken. I thought, yeah, I thought that was an interesting conversation about cheese because I think, you know, people maybe listen to this on Christmas Eve and obviously maybe think twice now about going deep for the... <laughs> deep into the blue cheese story on Christmas Day or maybe not because by then you've normally had a few glasses of wine and that's kind of when you know whatever you said you weren't going to do on Christmas Day you weren't going to eat all that entire box of quality street or whatever you were going to do it just happens anyway because you've had a couple of glasses of wine and all of your good intentions kind of go out of the window right yeah but I think I think um, nowadays they they're definitely like in England you go to the supermarket this time of the year and I get overwhelmed I'll go around waitrose or sainsbury's and it's just abundance and it just feels like borderline gluttony and it's just really hard hard to make decisions and that's when you do fill up your trolley with with uh, not such uh, decent things so here the, the food story um you know if you just buy low you know buying locally get, getting produce from the farms and then now we've got we've got friends and you just swap don't you so I'll take, I'll take around a bag of lemons and I'll get some pomegranates in exchange. Um, I've got friends with amazing chickens, so I get my eggs and uh, it's like a swap shop. I think that's the future, you know, of, of how to make Ibiza, you know, fully sustainable and island friendly and, you know, to try not to keep importing all these things that, you know, we've talked about on this podcast before with um, the director of Ibiza Produce, Gabrielle Gambina. And she's, you know, obviously that's her passion and her goal, isn't it, for the island. And it's so interesting to, to kind of, you know, wrap your head around those figures of, I think, you know, more than 80 or is it 2% of the, uh, the food that's actually... Um, grown here is eaten here and the rest of it all comes from from elsewhere so that's why I love what you do Tess because you know all of this is um you know is pretty local stuff it is local and 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 the next course we actually stopped um, off on the roadside didn't we on the way because I was like oh my god there's Bermuda buttercups when they've come early um so I'm going to be doing a a little soup in a second and uh yeah when I when I go dog walking walking through the forest um the meadows here once you know what you're you're foraging for every season is is it's got some kind of delight a free delight and uh i just love going home with uh, things stuffed in my pocket and and then creating recipes around it and just keeping totally seasonal and um and where did you learn to forage? Because I did think about going out for some mushrooms not so long ago, but I just think is it looks fairly easy to pick the wrong one and end up in a bit of mischief on that front. So I don't know how did you do you read that stuff in books? Have you been on a foraging tour or some classes or workshops? Or I've been on a on a few, but it's just like soaking up the knowledge. There's so much information out there, and also I've got an amazing app on my phone, and it's called Picture This. So you can scan that over any shrub or, or plants and you can see whether it's edible or not. That is a very, very brilliant piece of technology. I've never, ever heard of that. That's incredible. And I, you know, I think, you know, often when I go out on walks, I mean, you know, you clearly knew that those were 
Bermuda buttercups, but I was like, <laughs> to me, they just look like gorgeous flowers popping out with their colour and, and beauty, but it never would occur to me that they might be edible. It's quite surprising, the, the edible flowers on this island, so you've got the Bermuda buttercups that come out, they're quite early this year, but usually in, say, February, you'll see just blankets of this yellow, beautiful flower and it's part of the sorrel family, so the, the leaf, the leaf, the green leaf almost looks like um, a four-leaf clover. So you can eat the Bermuda buttercup itself and, and the leaf, but I would say not too much. And also, like here in Calavicente, they've got the wild sea rocket. So, it's a, so the, also the wild rocket comes out in February... So I, I just really love that time of year. So early, everything comes to life early. Sp- I would say spring really starts in mid-Feb. I feel like it's looking a bit confusing at the moment, though, because we just had an insane amount of rain in the last month. And I feel like it, the island almost looks like it thought it was spring because it's quite hot now. And it's, it's just there's some things popping up that I normally see, as you said, in the, in the springtime. Yeah. I mean, what about the wild asparagus? That's something that you can kind of pick a lot of here, isn't it? That's not really going to be around. Um, maybe, well, with the weather being like it is now, probably the end of um, end of uh, January. But you've got the wild rocket coming. Oh, yeah, as I said, you've got the wild rocket. You've got two types, so you'll see blankets of, of that in the fields with with the lo- lovely uh, white flower. It's really peppery, and then also down on Salinas, you've got the samphire. So the, the, the asparagus will be coming out, but that will be uh, late, early next year. I feel like I'm interviewing a, a musician here, and you're like, oh, the, uh, the asparagus is coming out, yeah, early next year. Is it going to be a really big, uh, a big one on the old menu? <laughs> exactly. My, when I met Dan, my husband, who's like from a musical background, he was just, he thought it was really refreshing that I just did not know a thing about uh, the music world here. So I'm, I'm all about the nature and, and the free food. So back in our day, being uh, 70s children, it was scrumping, wasn't it? Going out in the... Pin, pinching cherries from the, from the neighbours. So here it's uh, a little bit more, a bit more easy. Do you actually... I mean, there's been a real trend towards many people sort of growing their own fruits and veggies now since lockdown. Is that something that you've, uh, you know, made one of your home endeavours? Is that is that happening on the terraces of uh, Dan and Tess? Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, I've got a really quite a large edible flower and um, herb garden, and then I grow tomatoes. I grow, like, shallow-rooted veggies so things that you can get an instant good yield on um like radishes and tomatoes so they're quite easy for me to grow um some types of peas as well but yeah it's my mission to have a kitchen garden nice i think yeah that's one of my dreams for next year is to get a little bit of land from uh, the land bank project and uh, maybe we could actually get a little a little community of uh, or an allotment test yeah that, i mean Terramasia were doing allotments for restaurants but they've st- stopped doing it now and i think why i think it's just like just keeping up with the with the with the sheer amount that was needed if you imagine uh I think it was Cherenguito Blue had their own allotment on Terramasia. But, you know, you'd have a few salads and then, you know, every salad would probably contain a lettuce and it's just just keeping up with the volume. I thought that was a really good idea, but I would, I would definitely be, be up for 
some allotment action. I thought you might be. I uh, actually bought a new spade uh, a couple of days ago <laughs> and um, some new trowels. And um, I'm quite up for sort of, yeah, just planting and digging and just having a good old rummage around in the earth and seeing what's down there. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm always rummaging around. Well, we were talking about manicures earlier. So it's an in-joke with my friends that they think I'm quite well turned out until they look down at my fingernails and... <laughs> there's always sort of like dirt or muck on them from from like picking around in the garden or turmeric so I'm often hiding my hands but you've you've got a lovely old manicure there going on today haven't you Chris well, it's, it, it's 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 fresh fresh off the boat I had this done literally today and I um, was feeling a bit sad after my beautiful cat passed away last week so I, I thought what's going to cheer me up and I was like I'm going to go all glamorous for Christmas and actually yeah You're get cool my nails done, done. yeah that's that's your cat claws looking very sexy yeah i had them done a couple of years ago and i vowed never to do them again but i just thought you know what i'm just gonna have a little sparkle a little bit of sparkle on my fingernails love and um yeah get myself all festive so i'm feeling very yeah ladylike which is um clearly not the case and you look like you're redundant there what's next i think we're gonna go for the for the next course but it's gonna i'm gonna have a, a little fiddling to do and then i'll get back to you <laughs> You have a little fiddle. I'll just uh, fiddle with myself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think we need a fiddle, really. I could have played you a little song while you're making the next track. But um, as long as you, uh, yeah, maybe have a little tickle with the cocktail, I think we're, um, we're good to go. I'm very, very excited to sample what's next. to uh, cheers the next course cheers right the tie's gone out but it hasn't gone out of my glass <laughs> the tie's gone out but not in here <laughs> that's why i often say i'm like oh the tie's gone out that means a top up ah that's i like that yeah it's a nice. very subtle way of telling your dinner host not to be uh, so stingy with his wine exactly so remember that the tide's gone out and the tides come in into this soup bowl here. Oh, I love that little uh, transition there. It's very smooth. <laughs> I know. So in my, in my flasks, this, this little taste sensation is for anyone that's really not a lover of sprouts. I mean, I love Brussels sprouts. They're so good for you. And, you know, they've changed over the years. They used to, they used to have like an enzyme in that, that made them really kind of um, bitter and sour. But... They are beautiful. So what I've done here, I've made a sprout and um, activated almond and smoked cheese soup. So it's a smoked manchego. So there's a little smokiness. And as you can see, I've done little rafts on the top with the, uh, with the sprout leaves and the Bermuda buttercups. So the Bermuda buttercups that I've picked earlier, they've got a really nice kind of almost uh, citrusy uh, flavour to them and then we were talking about your love of veins weren't we <laughs> you were talking about your love of veins no you were talking about your love of veins so look how pretty that almond is when you when you soak them overnight so when you're activating an almond or any nut it becomes more digestible and um, you can absorb the, the the proteins easier 
Also, uh, I feel like they take on a kind of coconutty taste. Do you want to try one? Sorry. Yeah, no, I'd love to. I just, I find it... Into your mouth. (laughs) Best offer I've had all week, my love. I I feel like I've never seen the fact that an almond has veins. And what does soaking, why does that make the veins go to the exterior? I don't know. I just think uh, it just rehydrates the skin. But it's almost, Mm. it makes them taste like coconut, doesn't Mm. it? That doesn't taste like an almond at all. It's almost a cross between a chestnut and a coconut. So, apparently you're meant to eat eight nuts a day. So, it's moved on from the five veg a day onto now eating eight nuts a day. If you're a squirrel. Yeah, if you're a squirrel or a nut fancier like I am. I find that if you soak them and like, you can just leave them in a jam jar, you know, another use for the many jam jars that I have, and keep them in the fridge. So it's just a really lovely snack. So that's what I've used uh, in the soup. So uh, I've soaked off um, two, two onions and then added steamed Brussels sprouts, really good uh, uh, veggie stock, and then about 100 grams of... Uh, activated almonds and then a smoked manchego so I think you should tuck in uh, without further ado oh, right? you don't have to persuade me and I need to talk about my life changing bread as well to go with it but we'll, we'll you try that first and then I'll talk about the bread okay but that looks like yeah almost like a raw loaf it's actually not so that it's a it's a recipe by um I can't even remember the, the, the blog it's from. Life Changing Roots, I believe. And it's called Life Changing Bread. I might have got that all wrong. But anyway, I've done my own version of it because um, this particular version is kind of more sweet. And I incorporated into that garlic and rosemary and um, other nuts and seeds. So it's a, it's a gluten-free loaf, but you just soak it overnight there's no stirring no proving no kneading you just leave it in the loaf tin and the longer you leave it then you can just bung it in the oven and it's not it's not difficult measurements it's like a cup of this half a cup of that you need bacillum husk to hold it together in oats um but it's a really incredible bread and i've kind of um, changed it into more of a savory bread so there are two types so you can you can have one that you can have with um, say a homemade jam or a nut butter but this is quite interesting to go with this particular soup i absolutely love that and um, yeah i mean the presentation always of whatever you create is just you know i think people eat with their eyes and um, yeah if that is the case then i'm i'm literally in a in a beautiful feast right now and that's some activated olive oil that you're adding with little hearts around the sprouts that's a biodynamic olive oil and i have to say it's probably one of the most expensive olive oils you can get on the island how much that's about 28 euros what? i know but i it's the kind of olive oil that you would just use as a little dribble um you wouldn't you would never cook with that you would use that on a dressing or to dress a salad so I use that very sparingly and it does go a long way. I'm very honoured that you would put a dribble in my soup. No, I've actually, I've been, it's like the molten brown bottle that you fill up with the really shit supermarket soup. I'm so... <laughs> to look really posh when yeah. the guests come over for dinner. And then I've like let my secret go. No, but that is actually genuinely <laughs> the real thing. <laughs> 
Well, I'm glad to hear it because otherwise I was feeling a bit put out there. I mean, one minute I'm getting 28 euro olive oil, the next it's been filled up from Asta. Which is it? It's it's the real thing. You try it and you can, uh, you'll, you will experience. You've even got the most beautiful soup spoon that looks like it comes from an antique shop. So this is just all very, very you. And I'm going to go deep in to the, uh, yeah, to the sprout experience. Coming in. One sec. Mm. Oh, dear God. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. That smokiness is just insane. That is better than a mezcal margarita, which is strong words indeed, because that's my favourite, but that is just... It, it, I went to the, the food studio once, actually, and they gave me something smoked, um, when it had all the kind of crazy smoke actually coming pouring out of a glass. It was a fish thing. But, yeah, it's a very, very similar flavour, obviously vegan style, but it's, um yeah... That is absolutely beautiful. That's actually manchego, so it's not. That's not vegan. But I have made that recipe with. Um, there's a smoked vegan gouda that's out there at the moment. But what's really nice is that balance of the nuts in there, the the almonds, and it doesn't taste too sprouty, does it? It doesn't taste sprouty at all. You've disguised it completely. Um, I would say nutty cheesy veggie goodness it's um yeah that is rocking my rocking my face right now and did you like that little drizzle of olive oil <laughs> it did now i know it cost 28 euros i'm just gonna say yes it, that was unbelievable that blew my mind and my and my taste buds it blew, it blew my bank balance <laughs> I remortgaged the house to buy that but uh, it was very worth it absolutely so you would just use that if you were having friends around for dinner or if you were doing a job for someone yeah, I mean, I, I, I should be on the shopping channel selling that stuff because I, I do... I wish you would. <laughs> Just in time for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be interesting. I think you'd be the best saleswoman in the world with your reindeer antlers on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've gone all tongue-tied now. I want to get into this soup. You're distracting me. Hang okay, on. Hang on, hang on. Did you try the buttercup? I didn't get my face around a buttercup net. Let's do that. And um, I'm going to just take the raft fully into my mouth, actually. Yes, One sec. Raft. Mm. So good, isn't it? Oh my God. That flower. Mm. That's quite something, actually. Very, very different to what I expected. The flavour of the flowers. Mm. I'm not really sure how to put my finger on that, actually. It uh, didn't taste like a buttercup. Um, thing is, people, this whole um, trend, I mean, it's been going on for ages, the trend with cooking for, with flowers, and I've cooked with flowers since I won the cake competition at school at the age of seven, and I was um, putting pansies on and violets and little rose petals, and it was just my thing, and then over the years, it's become really, like, on trend to put flowers on, and sometimes I get, like, a little irked when I see a lot of chefs using them unnecessarily. And now I've gone to the level of using them actually for their flavour profile. So, for instance, that's got like a little sour note, and um, and then the nasturtiums that a lot of people are using at the moment—they're just gorgeous. They're peppery. Um, and here on Calavicente, you've got the um, sea rocket, and that's almost like a samphiry um, salty leaf. So it can it can just like elevate a dish quite nicely as well as looking like incredibly aesthetic which i obviously love 
I mean, it's definitely soup season as well. So I think this is like a really nice recipe that if you come um, to the at Love Food Ibiza Instagram account, give her a little follow if you're enjoying today's proceedings or pop on to at The Reset Rebel also on Instagram and we will have some um, some information on this beautiful recipe that apparently... Did you make this for Covent Garden Soups? Is that what you said? Yeah, when I left Juni... Um, I was kind of headhunted because I'd, I'd, um, I'd won a, um, an award for some recipe development in Leeds Uni and it went to a supermarket. So Covent Garden uh, often find um, postgraduates. So I rocked up and I actually thought it was in Covent Garden, but it was in the arse end of Wilston. <laughs> so I like, took the romance away, but I soldiered on in the, in the test kitchens and um, it was it was a really good job to have straight from uni, to be honest. So, but I was in the in the test kitchen, developing recipes, and quite often I also st- still see them as soup of the month when I when I go back to the UK. So I did a big bank of recipes, and uh, then I went up to Peterborough where they had the factory when it was upscaled, and I just thought, no, it's just not, it's just not beautiful enough. You know, it was fundamentally um, large-scale production, but very interesting to do. And then, um, yeah. I did actually used to live on those soups when I lived in London and before I learned how to actually make soup back in the day, my early, early 20s, straight from uni. And, you know, if I couldn't be bothered to cook dinner after a long day in the office, yeah, I'd just grab one of those on the way home, luzz it in the microwave and bish, bash, bosh. And actually, I thought they were just, you know, an amazing invention, but they really were the first people to make something other than just sort of you know a tomato Heinz rescue hangover in a can kind of uh, soup which so yeah I totally hear you I think they got very creative before anybody else did with their wonderful uh, delicious recipes so should we take a little pause to eat this yeah let's go and they were and back to them they were pioneering at the time because they introduced the tetri pack and um it was in a cardboard container and the branding was beautiful so it was a good it was a good company to work for should we dip that life-changing bread into the soup well if it really is life-changing i mean is there a magic genie sort of uh, crouching at the back of that uh, back of that loaf it's oh my all, god it's all in the nutty vein i'm i'm all over a nutty vein that does look resplendent with the little cracked salt uh, ibiza sal de ibiza on the top is that yes yeah thank you so much honestly for going to all this trouble this is just outstandingly beautiful and um creative which i love like you are literally one of those people that i look at on instagram on a regular basis and feel quite inferior in my cooking uh, cooking skills <laughs> and now the proof is in the pudding quite literally this is um really gorgeous it's like a little raft but i i often cook this um on the yoga retreats because it's gluten free mm-hmm. and because it's dense you're actually getting all of your intake of nuts and seeds in one slice so you know, your eight, eight nuts a day is in that one slice, along with, like, the chia and the pumpkin seeds and oats. It's good. beautiful. I mean, it doesn't taste too dense either. I thought it was going to be quite intense in the density department, but it's not. It still feels, despite the nuts and the oats, um, quite light. And it's very nicely sort of moist. I thought we'd get that word in there as well. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go any further with that. <laughs> and there's no soggy bottom either. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's quite crispy on the exterior, actually. It's quite... Yeah, it definitely has a real bread texture, actually. I mean, a hell of a lot better than most of the bread in Ibiza. I wouldn't say that's their forte, actually, in the baking world. Ibiza's bread is generally quite tasteless and has no 
salt or or sugar in it really or anything I like that apart to, from bimbo I, I think you're going to the wrong places ah. I've got and, and my very good friend Amy Forbes is pioneering in the in the pastry and bread world at the moment and she's doing some really amazing things with um, the shisha the ancient grain of Ibiza so and also Pandora aren't they they're doing really marvellous things with bread but they're a recent you know a recent addition to the to the bread kind of uh, pioneeringness of the island because I feel like yeah for the last sort of 10 years or so a lot of restaurants you have pan alioli and if it wasn't for the alioli there would be a, a, a pretty you know tasteless kind of flavor going on but if you make an effort to obviously seek out good bread it does exist but in the run-of-the-mill restaurants I wouldn't say any of those restaurants that I normally frequent here are supplied by any of those wonderful people that you mentioned do you know what if you're going to have what would you deem as a bit of a crappy bread a little pinch of salt on the top because they don't the local bread is, doesn't have um, a very high salt content and you do need that in in a in a in a baked bread so sometimes i'll just crack a little bit of salt and pepper on it and that just a little addition can uh, it can take on another dimension I mean, yeah, throw a bit of salt on anything, pretty much, <laughs> within reason. <laughs> it tastes good. Um, let's take a little quick uh, pause while we, while we eat our soup, and we'll be, uh, we'll be right back with um, whatever's after that. Desserts. Nipple, nipple chipitos, I was hoping. Chipitos. Yeah, we're going to go on to the nipple chipitos. <laughs> Winterland, tell me all your secrets. Fill me in on your wildest moments. Colour trees, your Bottoms up. <laughs> In what way has your life changed since you uh, since you made that life changing bread? H- how has it changed? I've just become more and more fabulous every day. You know, um, what's good? I just like sharing that recipe, particularly when I do the yoga retreats and um, women. I, I, I'm a bread fiend. I love eating bread, but I generally go for like an artisan bread or a sourdough, which is more easily digestible. But with that, even just having one slice, you know, we're meant to, like, particularly women are meant to eat more seeds in their diet, more nuts. So if you could have a slice and have your allowance, your daily recommended allowance of nuts, seeds in that one slice, uh, you're onto a winner. And if you put a little bit of homemade jam or nut butter on it and uh, tahini drizzle and sliced banana and cacao, then you've got a heavenly breakfast or brunch. I mean, yeah, my life definitely has changed since that um, entered my world, I have to say. I mean, I, you know, it's very easy to buy bread and, you know, it's the quick thing that exists in your kitchen when you come home and you're ravenous before you make a meal and sometimes you end up nibbling. But I think, as you just said, that's just so packed with with goodies and um, goodness that I, I think you can't really go wrong with that. I think you could definitely, as you said, if you have more than one slice, you might feel differently. But one slice is literally the perfect perfect amount and um yeah what's next oh the dessert so i've i've got um we're still drinking our vermouth aren't we we've got to we've got to down the hatch with that and uh, and i'm gonna go on to the chai tea and this is a recipe that um i used when i was in goa with the lovely ladies that made chai tea every afternoon for me in the kitchen and it was just the most beautiful thing and even in the hot weather 
just having that sweet chai is just uh, it's just a beautiful thing to have. And even in the in the hot summer months here, I'm I'm drinking quite a lot in the summer. I actually um, I haven't drunk any chai since I was in India, and I got locked down there at the beginning of last year. And I went to London actually um, just at the uh, at the beginning of the winter in um, in November, and I ended up going to a restaurant called Disham and queuing up for almost an entire hour. And as you get to the front of the queue, they offer you a shot of chai or a sherry. And as this guy gave me this chai, the smell honestly it just took me. It was as if I could have clicked my feels like Dorothy and um, and gone straight back to Goa. It was absolutely gorgeous. And literally as you round the corner. To go into the restaurant, the smells as well. It was honestly, it was. I felt a little tear in the corner of my eye because I really would love to go back, but obviously now's not maybe not quite the moment. But um, yeah, it was just it really inspired me to kind of uh, re-engage with kind of Indian things like smells and tastes and flavors and things because um, yeah, it just reminds me of one of my other favorite countries in the world that begins with the letter I. <laughs> कहना क्या चाहते हो यही कि थोड़ा सा वक्त निकालकर कभी हम लोगों के घरों में भी झांक लिया कीजिए क्या है वहां पे दुख और गरीबी का वो मंजर जिसे देखकर पत्थर भी पिघल सकता है आई आई रियली मिस माय इंडिया ट्रिप दिस ईयर एंड जस्ट हैविंग दैट ऑन द स्टोव इफ यू कुड कैप्चर दैट स्मेल इन अ सेंटेड कैंडल यू नो टीकी वुड दैट्स अनदर थिंग आई कुड गो ऑन द शॉपिंग चैनल सेलिंग अम अ चाय सेंटेड कैंडल अम yeah it's it's just it's just like christmas isn't it all year round those warming spices and i do like to put and that's the other secret is adding a bit of black pepper into it as well and i use star anise so it's got star anise black pepper um cardamom ginger obviously loads of cinnamon and then a, a black tea and also i put in a white tea as well so I'm going to I'm going to pour that into the glass and give you a try. Oh so jaggery. I quite like, you know in in India they drink it super super sweet and obviously we're trying to go sugar free but with the jaggery I I brought that back in the suitcase. Um I haven't been able to get jaggery here but I guess you could use um a panella which is uh, like the unrefined sugar. And um I'm going to mix it with a little bit of soy milk and I'm I'm a lot of people are anti soya. Uh I I drink it every day because uh, again I'm lactose intolerant but for women of our age we need to up the levels of um, of soya in our diet particularly as we are heading to our beautiful perimenopause menopause <laughs> giving way my age <laughs> let's let's not even go down that uh, that road there that 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 sounds quite uh, unnecessary on a christmas festive episode when we're celebrating the beautiful life that we live here in Ibiza on this sandy sunny gorgeous steps at the fishing huts well, i think um, the antidote is the glass the, the vessel that i'm serving it in <laughs> i think those little pair of uh, boobies on the side will um, yes will take away any kind of um, racism against soya i think um you know i hear what you're saying there but the thing you know with the chai in india you know you take one sip and i i literally my toes curl with the amount of sugar that's inside it and i had to had to stop drinking it really um because i just couldn't handle it and i think a lot of people over there have like borderline um diabetes because of because of all the chai that they drink but the, the jaggery is definitely the more um yeah the more friendly version if you are going to add a bit of sweetness but personally i would throw a bit of honey or um 
yeah, just anything other than sugar, basically. Anything other than refined white sugar, which is definitely what India doesn't, you know... It's funny, isn't it? They don't have a problem with it. And, um, you know, it's only really in the Western world that we've become these crazy anti, anti-wheat, anti-sugar, anti-everything anti kind of people, which always makes me laugh. Oh, you must have experienced a fair bit of that in the old uh, yoga retreats. Yeah, but with st- but who, who isn't a chocolate or... Um, a biscuit fiend like I am and into cakes but you know if you can make uh, an alternative but I'm sure the people that come on the yoga te- retreats do stuff the old chalky biscuits and chocolate bars in their suitcase and quite often when they come in the kitchen and say Tess you must eat like this every day um, I do explain that you know I, I'll have a crisp sandwich every now and again with, with Branston pickle that's that, that can go on my Instagram but uh, it's moderation isn't it and we do and we do fundamentally have a sweet tooth but if you can if you can uh, deliver it in such a way that you're having health benefits as well and using uh, date sugar um, like the jaggery or the, the date syrup can it can also take on a really um, other dimension of flavor for sure, and I think there should be checks on every yoga retreat just to see what uh, swag is in people's bags when they arrive. I've never done that, actually, I have to say, but I think, you know, people do definitely smuggle all sorts of uh, contraband, that's it, contraband into their rooms because, um, yeah, oh, wow, look at that. Those nipples are shining with resplendence. Should we, should we go nipple to nipple? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're actually talking about here, but these little um, ceramic—well, they're large, larger than a, than a shot glass. Uh, I got from the Gallery Elefante, and they're just one of my favourite things in my kitchen. They bring a smile to my face when, whenever I'm taking a tipple. A tipple with some nipples. I mean, yeah, who, who's going to grumble? That's such a, a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, it's the fact that it depends what's inside the glass. And I have to say, that is um, a very strong tea flavour, actually, which I really like. And, yeah, it's definitely a lot healthier than the Indian um, the Indian one that I've had in the past, which is all also made with buckets of cow milk. So, to be honest with you, you know, as much as I love chai, I did stop drinking it after about five years of going to India. In the last five, I've, I've not been indulging. So, yeah, because you were locked down, so you you would have been drinking bucket loads of that. And I guess, um, but the, the, the cow milk they have over there wouldn't be pasteurised either. So, uh, you are, it is a bit Russian roulette, isn't it? I think that one of the worst rounds of food poisoning I ever had was when I went on a motorbike with some mad hippie I met on the beach from Goa up to Varanasi and about three quarters of the way I thought I'd got home and dry with some very dicey and dodgy looking food that I'd eaten off some crazy crazy restaurants and one time I broke all my rules and went to a very like probably the dodgiest one which clearly nothing was refrigerated nothing and I ordered a chai because I just was desperate uh, you know in need of a hot drink it was quite cold and I took this chai and it was delicious obviously it was absolutely swimming with sugar so you can't really taste anything other than the sugar but literally it took for us to actually just pull away on the bike for me to immediately be hit by well let's not go into details but I was not a well bunny rabbit so I must say um, that did sully my chai experience and I was bed bound for at least 10 days after that wow what what bacteria was it was it did you find out I had to get a doctor called to the place that I was staying I, I couldn't get out of bed it was like 
It's like something out of The Exorcist. It was not pretty. And, um, yeah, I don't know what happened to the milk. I mean, obviously, if it's not looked after, like in a fridge or whatever, it, it was very, very, very nasty. It was probably straight from the dirty udder. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was, but it, it didn't agree with me at all. And, um, you know, then getting on a bumpy motorbike and going over lots of bumpy, uneven roads for the next hour before we could find anywhere suitable for me to stop and use the bathroom yeah it was like to talk about hang on to your hats i really had to have a serious meditation on the back of that bike not to let anything go it was just like you know it was uh, was very uh, testing shall we say <laughs> i i mean when i when i turned up in india for the first time i was so conscious about everything i was eating i was like they're eating salad they're having fruit salad and um there i was with my hand sanitizer and getting all panicky but uh, touching wood driftwood um i never got sick but uh yeah it's uh, food poisoning is uh not a pretty thing to to have it's not and the, i remember actually one of my worst ever christmas days was when uh I'd been, I'd got up that morning, gone to an amazing Ashtanga class, was feeling like really smug that I'd actually gotten up on Christmas morning and been to like, you know, and done the full primary series, then went for breakfast and had these like sunny side up eggs with cheese on this incredible homemade bread from this, in this cafe. Um, again, same thing, like literally maybe took about 25 steps outside of the restaurant down towards the beach to get my gin and tonic ready. And I was vomiting like, yeah in a bush and I was really and not a single thing passed my lips for the rest of the day that's the first time on Christmas day I've eaten you know less than a couple of mouthfuls and um yeah really really wasn't right for at least a week after that I mean eggs eggs you know obviously eggs and milk that just haven't been um taken care of or left in the hot sun or god only knows what happened to them try not to think about it really because even just thinking about those sunny side up uh, beauties you have to be very very careful over there anyway that's not the case with this incredible delicious um spread that you've put on i like that word spread you put on a right good spread i'm i'm gonna do um a sweet ending now with some other bits a happy ending a very happy ending i'm sure you're going to be delighted but i'm gonna have to uh do my titivation on the on the brownies and uh other bits that i've made I will leave you with that and we'll take another small pause before we come back with course number three. Okay, so we are coming back for course numero trois or tres in uh, Spanish, keeping it local. Um, what have we got to finish, uh, Tess? That looks, oh my God, wow. Yeah, this is one of my favourite cakes of the moment um, using homegrown oranges. So the other day I used clementines, but basically it's a polenta orange cake and you boil the, the fruit, you boil the oranges or clementines whole in water until they're like almost falling apart. And then you basically whiz them up with polenta and ground almonds. So it's again, flour free, gluten free. And then I've got, and I studied it with the blueberries. So you get these little po- pockets of jammy wonder. And it's really citrusy. Actually, La Paloma do a really similar cake, I think on their menu. 
and uh, yeah it's just uh, full of citrus wonder and it's just a beautiful thing to have this time of the year when we've got all the abundance of, of uh, oranges, lemons. You can do it um, St. Clemens as well with lemons and oranges. So I think you should give that a little, a little try. If you insist, yes, I will definitely give that a little try. Thank you so much. This looks very, again, quite um, not just scrumptious, but very moist and just juicy. Is that almost, what, so what's that purpley part on the top? That's a whole blueberry. So you, you dot the, the batter with whole blueberries at the end. So really there's not many ingredients in that. And I've used a date, a, a date sugar in there. You can use a coconut sugar. It does need a little bit of sweetness or you could um, use um, maple syrup. But it's a super simple recipe. So the only, the only element really of... Uh, the, the timely element is boiling up the oranges but you can just leave those in a pan of boiling water and just walk away and come back and then uh, there's no sifting of uh, flour or anything you just put everything in a high speed blender and whiz it all up and, and bake it mm. yeah it, it tastes it's that does taste very very festive actually it's very very fruity but um quite light actually considering it's polenta polenta is not something i would ever call light but it's definitely got a lightness to it and um mm, i'm gonna have another nibble mm. incredible and and obviously lovely warm um i found a really nice oat um an oat ice cream it was really delicious with that and you could use uh, you could also have that with hagen das why not it's christmas <laughs> What else do you normally say? Why not? It's Christmas too. Everything. <laughs> Shopping. Buying expensive olive oil. Uh, no, I, 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 I stop. Uh, I'm not really into the whole kind of going out and racing around the shops or supermarkets. I actually went to the Crystal Mountain the other day and treating myself to some crystals. Uh, but that's about as far as it goes. I do love that excuse though as a... Uh, you know, as soon as it hits 1st of December, everything that I shouldn't be doing, I'm like, oh, it's Christmas. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't count somehow. I mean, people are listening to this on the 24th of December, so it's like, you know, that's when the, um, the wheels are really uh, off, aren't they? And the, the wagon is uh, free, freewheeling into the distance of uh, all sorts of naughty sins. I think, you know, if there's one time of year to, to fully indulge, it is definitely Christmas. It's by far my favorite holiday for um being a little bit naughty but um you know you've got to do these things with no regrets because there's nothing worse than getting stuck in and then feeling like you know a bit sad about all of that in january or even that period between christmas and new year when you're you know drastically trying to undo all the damage that's been that's been done over christmas in time to squeeze back into that little black dress for new year's eve what are your um what are your christmas plans i'm heading back to to england yeah, just I'll, I'll be back here. I have to come back here uh, for New Year's because on the f- I just love running into the sea at Salinas on the first. It's just become um, a tradition that I love, and it's just so great to get everyone in in the sea running in, everyone sharing dishes and vats of uh, rosé wine, <laughs> usually supplied by Vino and Co. I mean, we're very generous. Did they do that last year? Because that one was actually, I believe, called off for obvious reasons. But um, I do, I do, I've not, I didn't 
get my little tail in the sea the year before that because I was actually just too hungover for words. So this is my year. I'm not going out on New Year's Eve. I'm doing the, the walking Ibiza walk during the day. Going to have a little bit of a, a boozy lunch maybe, but get to bed early so that I feel fresh as a daisy to, to actually have the balls to run into the sea. That's why I keep saying that. I, I met a lady that's just moved to Ibiza and she was like, what's happening on New Year's Eve? I said, do not go out on New Year's Eve. St- save yourself. Because, um, you know, and obviously like, loads of people are going to go to DC 10. But so I think it's all about the first here, more than the 31st. A hundred million percent, which is, of course, a very Reset Rebel kind of way of doing things um, to sort of, you know, shift the, the focus away from the, the, the one night of the year that everyone just goes out because they feel they have to or, you know, it costs an absolute arm and a leg and actually sometimes waking up on the first of the very new year that's just about to begin feeling like a dog's dinner is not it's not always that clever and sometimes it's worth it it depends if you have the best night of your whole life fine but um i just find hangovers lately i'm just not worth it unless i've literally had all the fun in the world and that's just not guaranteed is it? i want that in writing before i uh, down my 10th tequila <laughs> or your 10th vermouth <laughs> I think I'm only on about my uh, my second or third, so uh, <laughs> I've lost count. We've got a, yeah, the tide's gone out, remember that saying? <laughs> the tide's actually completely vanished. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Very, very lovely. I love that one. They do come in two colours, and that's the darker pinky, orangey, golden golden colour. It's absolutely gorgeous. The move. I'm going to top you up, because now this we've, we've done kind of relatively uh, not naughty and nice, but we've done the nice one. This one's more naughty. And that is a very sticky, decadent chocolate brownie, but it's with also foraged and hand-blended carob. So carob's become, it's becoming like a key ingredient. It's actually got more antioxidants than um, cacao. Did you know that? And it's growing all over the island, in particularly the end of autumn. So you'll see all the carob pods, the black carob pods, in the trees and normally it would go as donkey feed but it's becoming a lot more popular and it's becoming recognized as a superfood and i just regard it as free chocolate and it's a bit laborious doing the whole um you know making it from scratch but i i like to give myself a little food challenge but you can buy it on the island in health food shops but to mix that in a brownie you're going to try that and uh yeah you're upping your antioxidants so actually i'm saying it's naughty but it's it's uh, it's not really naughty, is it? <laughs> it's not. It's not naughty at all, Tess. I'm, I'm I'm looking at that, going. That looks, yeah, very nice indeed. I think just interestingly what you said about the carob there, because actually I found I've never seen so many people collecting the carob this year. Normally you see carob scattered all over the ground, sort of going mouldy. But actually this year was the first time I'd seen everybody all across the island including my neighbours actually an old lady sitting under a tree with lots and lots and lots and lots of bags gathering sacks full of um of carob and I feel like it's suddenly you can get a lot of money for a a sack full of carob rather than it just sort of being left to rot and so I'm very happy to see that it's being used and clearly as you say it's grown in popularity and there's some very great health benefits um of it and that's exactly why you're seeing people actually making the effort to to gather it all up and obviously times are slightly tougher in the old pocket for some people than perhaps it was previously. Maybe that's part of it, I don't know. Yeah. But also people, um, you know, a lot of tourists go back with the Saldo Ibiza because it looks like an amazing dish. You know, uh, the jar with the, with the beautiful branding and the little spoon. 
I think more and more people that get to know about the benefits of carob will go, bring back the Ibiza carob as well. I can't remember the name of the company here that does it. So they must be paying perhaps the locals to, to go and gather it from their land. But it's, uh, it is well, rather wonderful. I like the fact that it's free. Um, yeah. I'm all over the, the free carob. It looks absolutely insanely delicious. So um, without further ado... I'm going to try and, uh, yeah, try and get not, not too sm- sticky. We won't smile for the <laughs> later. eaten this, it's all over my... T- I look like a, a person from the plague, like with black teeth. It's, it's, it's a very decadent uh, brownie. It's very sticky. <laughs> that is just to die for. I mean, just like you've ever, anything you've pretty much ever served up, I just, yeah, Wow. Mm. And it's not too rich, actually. It's not too rich. It's not too sticky. It's just, um, yeah, it's just very gooey, actually. Gooey, but without being too too much. Not not uh, over the top. I think it's because of the carob, actually. It's a little bit lighter in some regards. Mm. Oh, my God. be more like a truffle. For me, a brownie should be more like a truffle. That gooey centre... These haven't really developed a crust on the top, but um, I prefer that to a cakey-style brownie. I can see why your hands are always uh, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit dirty and a little bit, um, yeah, earthy. I've just had my very lovely nails done, which um, was a treat, and I'm now absolutely covered in goo. So that was money well spent. <laughs> I'm not going to put the microphone in your face to share. <laughs> like a very very busy chewing uh, <laughs> no smiling <laughs> no no microphoning which is always great for a podcast I find when your guest is shoveling down chocolate brownie at a rate of knots I'm going in for my final bite mm. oh my god mm. that last little pop of the berry oh my god too much mm. you need a little bit of sharpness so I like to use a red currant on a brownie because it will cut through that that kind of um, sticky sweetness. And also that's um, blended dates. So really similar to making a sticky toffee pudding with um, with a medjool date. So sweeten that with dates. I've got to give uh, Cam Mimosa a shout out actually at this point in the game because I went there for the first time yesterday and I had the banoffee pie oh, at the ending. end, which I thought was just like this little slither of banoffee pie. And it came and it was like almost like a full pie. Um, it was a very round sort of cheesecake style looking thing. It was, I mean, honestly, it was insane. I, I didn't eat anything until just before I came, actually. I just had like a little mouthful or two of fruit. But I just, yeah, it was it was huge. And it was just, honestly, I didn't, didn't think I ever would finish it. But of course, I did. <laughs> I did. You had the whole I mean, I was there the other weekend and we had the banoffee pie and the apple crumble. The apple crumble was just exceptional. But the banoffee pie, you know when you're with a group and you have four spoons and you feel a bit embarrassed, oh, I'll have a dessert and have four spoons. But you needed really probably six spoons to get through that. I mean, it's well done for you. (laughs) That was, uh, I'm surprised you're not diabetic right now. I basically just had to do a bit of intermittent fasting because of that. I was like, I cannot possibly have breakfast. I went and climbed up a, a huge mountain this morning to try and burn it off before uh, coming back for uh, some time in your wonderful company with uh, the wonderful treats that you've laid on here. So no, no guilt, no guilt. It was, it was very well worth it. 
Um, so I'm trying to describe this to anyone that can't see. It's uh, a little rusty crown <laughs> with full of Christmas love balls. So this is another um, little sweet bite that I always have in my repertoire. And uh, yeah, I call them Ibiza love balls. But these also have a, like a little Christmas element. So I've got um, mixed spice in there and uh, nutmeg and cinnamon. But it's made with a homemade nut butter and coconut oil. So they are, you know, in the summer, that would be just dripping down my arm right now. So we're, it's, uh, they've held their shape. But they're actually best um, fresh from the fridge. So I'll be interested to see what you think of these. Well, um, I can't wait. Thank you very, very much. I feel thoroughly, thoroughly spoiled. I don't know how I'm going to squeeze this last morsel into my tummy, but I'm not having dinner tonight. That's clear. <laughs> don't mind if I do. Mm. I'm very crunchy. Mm. Mm. You've made um, love balls for me many, many, many times. These are very, very different, very nutty. Mm. So this, Almost like a superfood. Yeah, so this one I've made more like I like like at Christmas I used to have nut brittle, so this is a healthy version. So, um, and also when it is really cold, the um, the coconut oil is set, so the coconut oil here is melting a bit, so then the nutty texture comes through. So if that was cold from the fridge, it would taste more truffly, but it's still pretty pretty epic. You just actually put your um, little greasy paws on it right there. It was, um, it is like nut brittle, and that's actually another one of my absolute all-time faves from India. Those sweets that you get in the bags that are like like twenty rupees for about thirty of these nut balls with jaggery, and you think, yeah, I'm just going to have one of those, and then save the rest for tomorrow. And before you know it, you've eaten an entire bag <laughs> before going to yoga. That's happened a few times, but they are just like, yeah, it's very very addictive. That sort of nutty really really lovely nutty flavor and we all like our christmas nuts don't we we really do and actually i really like the um the ones that you get whole you know my mum was like literally would eat absolutely piles and piles and piles and put them in a newspaper and you know one minute there'd be a couple of shells there and i'd go upstairs for a bit and come back and you know the whole newspaper was covered in walnut shells you just would eat piles and piles of walnuts yeah, that, that kind of tradition's gone. With, with the nutcracker, you could you could almost like uh, dislocate a knuckle, couldn't you? They're quite they're quite um, a difficult implement to use. Uh, but I I remember yeah cracking cracking the old Brazil nuts over at Christmas or fighting over the one that was in the Quality Street tin. I think they stopped that particular one. There was one that was all crunchy and nutty. Uh, but yeah it's all these uh, nostalgic flavors and that's what I really like to do with my recipes is like just doing a healthy twist on what you remember as a child what what was nostalgic to you and now we're trying to cut down on our gluten and our and our refined sugar and our dairy so it's 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 just a really a a, a joy to make alternatives that bring back that element of uh, you know a trip down food memory lane I should have made my homemade salad cream. That's a, that's a that's another little taste sensation that I'm enjoying at the moment. <laughs> I seem to remember you you had that on the last podcast, uh, you know, podcast picnic. I can't even say it now. As the sun is actually literally, can you believe it? Starting to silk sink behind the hill opposite us. 
which is neatly actually probably drawing to a close this wonderful experience. But actually, the sun is. We've got the we've got the boat. I think we should jump in that and sail away to the sounds of Enya. I could actually row home in that. I think you might you might actually have to row me home. I'm not actually sure. Seeing as I can't speak, whether I should actually be driving. <laughs> Come on, let's get in the boat and go. Sounds good to me. I don't think you'll float me, though, after uh, three different desserts, a whacking great big soup, some very nutty, delicious raw bread, and um, I'm trying to... F- yeah, and those cheesy balls. I mean, it's just been... And not to mention the unbelievable aperitivo uh, of the uh, Calanova Sour. I mean, all in all, how can people find some of these recipes and um, bits and pieces if they wanted to recreate, which I think would be quite tricky, but <laughs> if they wanted to try and recreate your magic? Well, actually, all of these recipes, right? So the polenta orange um, clementine cakes on my, on my website at the moment, life-changing bread, and also the soup I'm going to be posting um, very shortly. So it will all be on the website and on my Instagram page, Sharing is Caring. Well, there's not many people on this island that would not only knock me up a, a perfect-tasting cocktail and a three-course meal on the fishing huts of uh, Cala San Vicente, but has also paid enough attention to detail to bring their own Christmas tree. I mean, this I love you. I do genuinely absolutely love you. And I, <laughs> that for me, and you're wearing a, a, a little uh, present on your head. Yes. It's all about the aesthetic, isn't it? Um, when I was packing this up earlier, my husband was like, where are you taking that Christmas tree and that rusty old crown? And I was like, oh, just down to the beach, as you do. Well, I think, yeah, it was um, extremely appreciated. And, um, yeah, there is no one that pulls out all the stops like you do. It's always a magical thing um, to witness the uh, absolute beauty that you uh, put into your your food and um you know your instagram account is one of those places that i always look and just go wow one day i shall be uh, able to to make things as as pretty as um, as you have done and that is at love food ibiza if you want to follow tess's um beautiful kitchen creations and um feel a little bit jealous and a little bit you know under par in the cooking department she is uh, she's got some serious skills tess thank you so 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 much for joining us here on the uh, the Reset Rebel podcast. Thank you so much and happy Christmas. And I think we should go for a dip. And we're definitely going to run in the sea on the first, aren't we? Without a shadow of a doubt. I'm definitely, yeah, I'm saving myself just for that precise moment. I'm not going to go in now. The sun has just sunk. But 1st of uh, January, I'm all yours. You're on. You're on, my darling. And uh, happy Christmas, everyone. Hope it's delicious. Merry Christmas from us here in Cala San Vicente. We'll see you on New Year's Eve for a very special episode with Le Grand Bouffe Ibiza. Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. It's the Reset Rebel. Coming to you every day.